Show my friend I. It is me, Jolene, your host of Hometown Homicide, and welcome back, finally, to another episode. I'm really sorry I've been on, like, hiatus for six weeks. I know that I seem to just keep dipping in and out, but if you do keep an eye on Twitter, which is at H underscore H podcast, you will be able to sporadically see what is going on with my life. Basically, I really struggled with that new job that I took. I was doing 40 hours a week and it was just really, really intense. I was exhausted every time I came home and I just didn't have the time that I wanted to do the podcast the way that I wanted to do it. And so to fix that, I quit my job. <laughs> um, I know it seems really premature because this podcast is only six episodes old and because at the moment I've just reached over 800 listens altogether, which thank you very, very much. But in terms of podcasting, that is still quite small. So it does seem strange I've quit my job, but don't panic. I will be able to provide for myself. I have taken a part-time job instead. So yeah, that's all about me. I'm back. I should be back every week from now on because I do finish my job next week. So yeah, I will be back. I will be consistent and I will be bringing you the content that you deserve. I will be telling the cases the way that victims and their families deserve. And I'm just going to be doing something that I've wanted to do for so long and I don't want to have to put that off because, I mean, money can wait, realistically. As long as I'm making enough to provide for my family, then why shouldn't I then be putting all of my energy and effort into this podcast if I'm getting by fine? You know, I don't need to be working all these hours and this podcast needs all the hours that I can give it. I hope that from this point on, the podcast just gets better and better and you guys love it more and more. And hopefully we'll get to a Patreon eventually where I'll be doing extra, at the moment it feels like extra um, hometown history episodes where I talk about very, very historic Welsh cases. Maybe even venturing out into other lands of true crime, you know, other places that have got true crime cases because they're all over the place. Obviously America's a big one. But yeah, that's kind of on the horizon. So you've got all that to look forward to with me. But let's get on to today's case, one that I have been researching for weeks and weeks and just trying to get the time to do justice. And now I've got the time. Here's the episode. In today's episode, I'll be covering the unsolved disappearance of Kyle Vaughan. This case is, like, full of questions and there's just no answers. There's no answers anywhere. And that's not particularly on the police's behalf, which is good for once. It's not the police's fault entirely. It is more to do with the public, and you'll hear more about that as we go through the case. It does kind of remind me a little bit of Maura Murray in a sense of what happened. Um, not in, in terms of the investigation and things, it's quite different there, but I have had those kind of like Maura Murray vibes going through it, and that's the only case I can kind of relate it to from my true crime brain. But if you guys can think of any others, then please feel free to tweet them at me. You know, just keep the conversation flowing about everyone that this kind of thing has happened to. Kyle is important, Maura is still important, and so is anyone else that has had a similar situation happen. But today we're going to focus on Kyle Vaughan and his family's fight to get justice for him because they believe that he was actually murdered.
Kyle Vaughan was born on August the 3rd, 1988, the son of Alan and Mary, and the younger brother of Carl, who was Alan's son from a previous relationship. He lived with his parents in Newbridge, which is a town in Caffilly County Borough in South Wales. <laughs> Newbridge is a small town with a population of around 6,509 people as of the 2011 census. That was the most recent census that I could find, but I doubt the population has changed much over the last, you know, nine years anyway, because Newbridge is kind of a small town. It's not really like somewhere that people flock to to live. It is a really nice area in some places, and it is a really not so nice area in other places. It's your pretty average valleys town, I would say. It's probably best known as the hometown of Joe Kalzaki, who was a world champion boxer. And locally, a lot of people just know it because it's got a swimming pool that's got like loads of slides on it. That's pretty much the only thing I knew about Newbridge growing up. And that it's got a McDonald's that is like a popular teenage hangout and easily accessible because the road that passes Newbridge actually goes over into like England and things. So I passed it a lot when I was driving past when I worked in Hereford. As for crime in Newbridge, according to crimestatistics.co.uk, in July 2020, there were 65 crimes that took place in Newbridge, of which 32.3% were violence and sexual offences, 21.5% were antisocial behaviour, and 20% were public order. This may sound really bad and scary because obviously when you say statistics like that, that are like 20s and 30s percent, it does sound like quite a lot. In the grand scheme of things, it's not really. It's not that big. There's similar sized towns in the Caffilly County Borough who in the same month had had well over a hundred crimes take place. So Newbridge is relatively quiet in comparison to these other towns. Kyle attended Cumcon High School and was known to his friends as Jabbers. I don't know where that nickname came from. I don't have a clue what it means, but it makes me giggle every time I love it. <laughs> he loved rock music and even book gigs at TJ's in Newport for bands who'd come from as far as like Germany. So he was really, really in the rock scene. Like He was in there booking gigs for bands. He was just in love with this music. He loved it so much that he got a grade 8 on the drums, and Alan actually said that he taught himself to play the drums. So that's, that's pretty cool. You have to love music to be able to teach yourself and get to a grade 8 all on your own. When speaking of his son, Alan said, quote, Kyle was a party animal, and he loved astonishing us. He did a lot of charity work for cancer charities because of his mum, and he was very brainy with computers. He had a charisma about him with all his friends, and he was like a magnet. We had a party for his 21st birthday, and 91 friends of his turned up, so me and Mary were sat outside on the curb. He loved his music, and would go to see bands like Green Day with his mates. He used to wind us up as well. I bought him a music centre for his birthday, and he would put it up on full blast, I would turn it off, so he would turn the internet off until I put it back on, unquote. So far, Kyle and his family sound like they just have your great, nice family dynamic, you know? They have little squabbles here and there about like how loud the music is and things, and Kyle gets to have these massive parties that his parents let him indulge in, and he just sounds like a nice person to be around. Kyle was described by friends as a loving and caring person, and one of his friends, Rob Green, told the South Wales August in 2017, quote, He was genuinely one of the most selfless people I have ever met. He was the type of person who, if he had £5 in his wallet, would try to give you £6. He was warm, selfless, funny and charming and kind. 
unquote. Kyle was loved by his friends and absolutely adored by his parents. His dad Alan spoke of the relationship Kyle had with his mother Mary in a 2019 Wales Online article. There's a lot of quotes in this article, by the way, that I have pulled of Kyle's dad. I have spoken to him myself, but we haven't had a chance to connect for an interview with everything going on with COVID and just me not being that good at technological stuff like recording a phone call and things. But we are trying to meet up at some point so that I can personally speak with him and I will be recording that to share it with you guys. But until now, this Wales Online article is full of quotes because it is just focusing on Alan and his struggle with what has happened to Kyle. So there's any quotes you hear me say Wales Online to do with Alan, they've all come from this 2019 article. Quote, Mary had a really good sense of humour. Kyle and his mum used to fight like cat and dog, but he would always say, Mom, I love you. The two of them idolised each other, and it's a shame that Mary didn't find out where he is. That hurt her more than anything, and it hurts me, knowing that you can't do anything. The bond between the two of them was unreal and so strong. He was her only son. Unquote. On December the 30th, 2012, Kyle was just a normal 24-year-old, enjoying his life with a good job in Unilever, or Unilever, I'm not too sure, working in production technology, where, according to a 2019 Wales Online article, Kyle was, quote, well thought of in the company, unquote. Kyle left his home that he shared with his parents on the evening of December 30th. I have looked through loads of sources, like I've absolutely scoured through them, and none of them seem to have, like, a specific time that Kyle left the house. So I'm not sure if, like, just because he's, like, an adult and he's, like, 24, his parents are just kind of not on top of what time he's coming and going because he's, like, a fully grown adult. They don't need to be asking him where he's going and not really, like, checking what time he's going out. He just doesn't need that kind of supervision. At 11.45pm that night, Kyle's silver Peugeot 306 was discovered crashed on the A467 on a stretch of road between Cross Keys and Risker. It was believed to have been a single car collision on the road, and by all reports, the car was in awful condition. But Kyle wasn't anywhere to be found. Alan described finding out that his son was missing and the state of his car to Wales Online. Quote, the police woke me up three in the morning saying I was arrested for drink driving and for leaving the scene of a collision. They had found a silver Peugeot smashed up on the carriageway and I didn't own a Peugeot. But then the penny dropped. It was Kyle's car. I went down and saw the car and thought, how did he walk away from that? I have seen accidents like that before where people have died. How the hell I kept on going, I don't know. We didn't sleep for four days with worry and we went out searching for him. Unquote. At first, the police investigated Kyle's disappearance as a missing person inquiry, but that changed to a murder inquiry, quote, following investigations and information received, unquote. I can't find specifically what this information was. I believe because it is an ongoing investigation that they can't release that information, more than likely, because it's probably the only evidence that they actually have. But we'll get more into that a little bit later. It would appear, however, that the evidence that they did manage to find was what led them to the arrests that were made in 2013. Altogether, Gwent Police made eight arrests in connection with Kyle's disappearance. According to Wales Online, three people were arrested on suspicion of murder, two arrests were made on suspicion of assisting an offender, and three people were arrested on suspicion of perverting the courts of justice. BBC News reported in 2013 that there was even extra time given to the officers so that they could continue interviewing a 27-year-old man who was one of the three arrested on suspicion of murder. 
They also reported that the two that were arrested for assisting an offender were a 15 and 21 year old male. They also reported that the two arrested for assisting an offender were 15 and 21 year old males and one of the perverting the course of justice arrest was a 62 year old man. There's not a lot of information about the other couple of arrests that were made so I'm not sure if they're keeping that information to protect the identities of the people or if there's just like no one's gone and found that out. I'm not too sure with that one. I couldn't really find anything. All those that were arrested were actually released without charge and to this day no one has been held accountable for what happened to Kyle Vaughan. Alan has said in the past that he can't really say that the police didn't put in a lot of effort when it comes to Kyle's case. After three years of investigation, the police had looked at over 10,000 lines of telecommunication, more than 200 hours of CCTV footage, and they had searched 2,000 pieces of property. And as of 2020, 200 people have been interviewed and 900 statements have been taken. But I just find it really hard to believe, or not hard to believe, but just really hard to fathom and understand how Kyle's case has remained pretty much at a standstill since those people were released after being arrested and that was seven years ago and they've got so much evidence well I don't know if it's evidence actually I should say they've got so many lines of inquiry going on that it's just really really interesting and frustrating to me that they haven't been able to make any kind of breakthrough apart from those arrests and even then they couldn't bring forth any charges so it just makes me question like what information are they actually finding and what information are they missing or are they not seeing it's not even known if kyle was actually the one driving his own car that night the night of the crash because the police haven't come forward and said he definitely was and they also say haven't come forward to say he definitely wasn't so i know that a lot of the time in other cases it like all depends on like the seat positioning and obviously if this was a crash that was so bad that someone might potentially not be able to walk away from it alive i would have thought there would have been some sort of like blood or something like that left behind but as of yet they haven't released any information about what was in the car that could either prove or disprove that kyle was the one driving kyle's family have always said that they believe there are more people out there who know much more about what happened that night than what they're actually telling the police but as of yet no one has ever come forward with any piece of information that has been key to the investigation unless somebody has given information before for the arrest but even then that wasn't enough to charge anyone or convict anyone so you have to wonder how detailed and how useful the information that led to the arrest was Alan and Mary have always been really, really active in advocating for their son. On the first year anniversary of Kyle's disappearance, they held a walk to mark the day that was attended by more than 50 people. Everyone dressed in red and 80 balloons were released. The walk raised money for Seven Area Rescue Association, who gave 150 plus man hours to the search and rescue efforts for Kyle. Mary told the Argus on the day, quote, I want to thank everybody for showing their support over the last year. We want to know what happened now more than ever as I have cancer. We just want someone to tell us where Kyle is, unquote. As Mary mentioned in that quote, she did sadly have terminal liver cancer. It never actually stopped her fighting for justice for her son though, which I think is incredible that she didn't let that ever stop her from pursuing everything to do with Kyle and just trying and fighting for him even up until her last days. In 2016, she made an emotional appeal for any information that would lead to her being able to have her son's body and to know what had happened to him before her cancer killed her. I'm just going to insert an audio clip here of Mary herself speaking at that appeal. Just listen to 
her and you can hear the pain in her voice and you can hear torment that she's been through, she and Alan together. All I would like to say is that I just found out they got terminal lung cancer. I only got months to live. And anybody, well, somebody out there knows what happened to my son Kyle that night. And I would like them to tell me or let tell the police where he is so I can bury him from the rest before I go. That's my only wish. I, I don't care if anybody gets charged or anything. If they do, they can go on later on. But I just want Kyle to go to rest, leave him to rest before I, before I go. That's my only wish. In October of 2016, the family received a presumption of death certificate for Kyle. The following year, there was a memorial service held for Kyle at St John's Church in Newport. His family and friends spoke really fondly of him, and they described his selfless nature and how he had, quote, the worst tattoos in South Wales, unquote. Following Mary finding out that there was nothing that could be done to cure her cancer, and in light of the hardship of her son's disappearance, Alan and Mary went on a six-month adventure around the country, starting in Bournemouth and ending in Llandudno. Two days after the six-year anniversary of Kyle's disappearance, on January 1st, 2018, 56-year-old Mary passed away from complications associated with her cancer. She died without ever finding out what really happened to her only son and left behind her heartbroken partner of 31 years. Alan told Wales Online, quote, I always said Mary didn't die from liver cancer. She died of a broken heart, unquote. In the years since Mary's passing, Alan has never stopped advocating for his son. He visits St John's Church often to lay flowers on the grave shared by both Mary and Kyle, where he will tell Mary everything that has been happening recently. Alan has felt that as the years have gone by, the communication with Gwent Police has reduced substantially, but in turn, I do have to play devil's advocate slightly here and say that the police have seemingly, by all reports, exhausted all avenues of inquiry that they actually have. But I do agree with Alan that there must be people out there who know something and whatever reason has made them withhold that information, I really think now is the time to decide if it's really worth tormenting Alan any more than he's already had to endure. Kyle's 32nd birthday was last month and the police did reappeal for information, but as of yet, September 2020, it would appear that nobody's come forward with anything still. Kyle Vaughan was 24 years old when he seemingly vanished from the A467 between Risca and Cross Keys. He is described as being 5 foot 8 inches or 1.72 metres in height, of slim build with short dark hair and brown eyes. It is believed on the night that he went missing, Kyle was wearing a dark coloured beanie hat, a dark coloured t-shirt, three quarter length denim shorts, white trainers and a gold chain around his neck. It's also important to know that Kyle was actually diabetic and he was insulin dependent, so I feel like that rules out the idea of him leaving of his own accord. That might actually be a factor as to why the police started investigating his case as a murder inquiry, because if he's insulin dependent and he needs to be home to have his insulin, then why would he just run away? I'm not completely ruling it out, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but he needs his insulin to survive, so... I think that's why the police started looking at this more as something of foul play because his car is found, he's not in it, so it may have been a traffic accident, but where did he go? 
and he's insulin dependent. He wasn't in the area anywhere around, so it's not like he just wandered off and like succumbed to the elements because they would have found him more than likely. I can only assume that based on the research I've done in other cases similar to Kyle's that the police only have evidence that is maybe circumstantial or is just not strong enough to bring forth a conviction. It is a sad fact that in many cases like this, if there is no body, then that often leads to there being no case, really, because you can't really prove foul play without a body unless there's a lot of really, really significant and substantial evidence elsewhere. And in this case, there just isn't. As far as we know, there was nothing in the car that the police seem to have been able to point out that they can go by. And of all the hundreds and hundreds of statements and CCTV footage and everything that they've searched, there just doesn't seem to be anything that is kind of like that one thing that they can build a case around. That one thing that is so big and so real and so undeniable that they can build an entire case around that and then go forth with a conviction from there. But it just doesn't seem to be any way of doing that with what they've got so far. Kyle and his family just need someone to come forward with a piece of information, even if it's just tiny. It could make such a massive difference and it could help make sense of the case. Like, for for all we know, because the police haven't released a lot of information about this, for all we know, the police have quite a good case already built against the people that they arrested, which was why they were able to arrest them. Potentially, there is just maybe a missing link somewhere or there's just maybe a little bit more information that could just tip that case over and could just get that case to a point where it is then convictable. Is that a word? I hope so. Anyway, I just think that it's really important to know that you could hold the tiniest piece of information about that night and it could completely change everything. And I know that sounds really cliche, but it's the truth sometimes. I think the police just need help in understanding what happened to Kyle. And his family do too. And if there's someone out there who can be held responsible, then I think they should. Like, Newbridge... New, the people of Newbridge should want this solved because, for all they know, there's potentially a murderer that, or multiple murderers and multiple people implicated in a murder that live around them. And I just don't get how people can sit comfortably knowing that. If you do have any information about what happened to Kyle Vaughan on the 30th of December 2012, you can contact Crime Stoppers completely anonymously without giving your name, your address, any of that information. You can do it anonymously and no one will ever know that it was you. You can do that on 0800 555 111. That number again is 0800 555 111. I'll leave it in the description box down below too, just in case you want to call that eventually with your information. Please, can you just share Kyle's story today? If you just do one share and everybody else does one share, that could add up to a hundred shares. You know, it could just spread it a little bit further, get it outside of the local community a little bit, because I feel like in Kefili, a lot of people know about this. When I've mentioned it to a few people recently, they've all been like, oh yeah, I know about that. But I think maybe, you know, it's been eight years now, possibly someone's moved away, possibly someone's a bit further afield that they're just not quite getting that information, they're not quite getting the appeals, and maybe if we just spread it a little bit further, then they will. 
you can either share this episode about him and get people listening so that they can fully understand what actually, well, what we know happened that night and what information we have so that they may be able to be like, well, I can fill in that blank. Or you can use the link in the description box below to share the Gwent Police's most recent Facebook appeal. And that way then it'll just be on your Facebook feed and if you've got like 500 friends, that's 500 people that could see it. That's 500 potential witnesses that could see it. You just never know. You don't know what anyone's seen. You don't know what anyone knows. And by sharing these things and keeping them alive, then, you know, circumstances might have changed now. You know, this person might have moved away now. They might be in a safer position to tell their truth and to tell Kyle's truth. So if you are that person, please consider doing so. For the sake of Kyle, for the sake of his mother Mary, who never, ever got to know what happened to her only son, and for the sake of Alan, who's just left now, bearing all this on his own shoulders. And he's in his 60s, and, you know, he's lost his wife, he's lost his son, he's lost pretty much everything. And you might be the person that can help him to get some sort of control and some sort of light back in his life by bringing forth maybe a conviction or bringing on maybe more investigation that could lead to something happening justice-wise. Thank you guys so much for listening to Kyle's case. It really means a lot to me having spoken to Kyle's dad himself. Like, he's a lovely, lovely man and he's been through so much and he still managed to laugh on the phone with me and, like, joke on the phone with me. We were on the phone for, like, over an hour and a lot of the time we spent in laughing because he was telling me a lot about Kyle and he just he just wants answers as would anyone in this position imagine if Kyle was your son imagine if you woke up one day your son had disappeared you think potentially the people that murdered him are local to you because the people that were arrested were from like Abercorn and and Blackwood places around New- Newbridge even sometimes Newbridge and Blackwood are quoted as being the same place so, like, these people live in and around Alan, and I just don't know how, I don't know where he gets his strength from, but I, I admire him so much. And I really think it's so important to get Kyle's story back out there again, because one Facebook appeal probably isn't going to be enough to get attention. And maybe something like this is. So, yeah. That's my two cents on that. I know I said a lot today, I rambled a little bit, but... I'm just so passionate about this case. I care so much about getting Alan justice. And this is the only way I know how to do something. That is the case of Kyle Vaughan. You can probably see the similarities with Maura Murray. You know, the car being found, nobody being in it, no sign of where they went. No, Maura Murray's got some witnesses, but no, like, substantial witnesses that have can corroborate anything. I just find it insane that this case hasn't got more attention considering how much the police have actually been working on it behind the scenes. I hope you guys liked that episode. I hope you guys are chuffed that I'm back because I'm chuffed that I'm back, i got to tell you. And I will be back next week with another case. I don't know which one yet. I'm working on a few at the same time, which is probably going to do absolutely nothing good for my mental health. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes and... Working hard on this podcast makes me feel like I'm actually doing something because every single listen just means the absolute world to me. So thank you guys so much. And thank you for sticking around and still listening while I've been gone. Like, that means a lot to me too. That made me feel really good. I was like, yeah, people want to listen to me. (laughs) I don't know why. I can't tell you why. (laughs) Only you can tell me why. And if you want to do that, you can leave me a review. 
my god wasn't that smooth are you not impressed because i'm pretty impressed by that that was off the cuff too but if you guys leave me a review on apple Podcasts, i'll give you a shout out on social media you can follow the social medias on um twitter that's at h underscore h podcast yes i haven't got my writing in front of me anymore i don't know where it went yeah, Twitter is at H underscore H podcast. Instagram is at Hometown Homicide Pod. And if you want to send me an email for any case suggestions or just any inquiries in general, then you can do so um, using the email hometownhomicidepod at gmail.com. But yeah, if you guys leave me a review, you'll be shouted out on my Twitter. And also, it really, really helps the podcast. You probably had other podcasts bang on and on and on about this, but I'm one person sitting in my bedroom talking to a picture stuck on my wall because I'm lonely when I talk to the wall <laughs> and I just want people to hear me and I want people to hear the stories because well they're not really stories are they they're real life and I think getting this out into further parts of Wales too would be really good because that could like I said reach more witnesses you never know we just don't know what podcasts can do these days. So try and get me to like a thousand downloads. Oh my God, can you imagine a thousand people or oh, a thousand people have listened? People have listened a thousand times. My God, I am tired. I recorded this episode and um, I didn't actually press record. So yeah, I'm feeling a little bit frazzled right now, but it's okay. We're back recording and that is the main part. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you next week and I hope you stay safe out there.